And so learning to partner with the Holy Spirit is, is where we're going with revival. Amen. We can't have revival without the Holy Spirit. We need you, Holy Spirit. We need you, River of God. Oh, we need you, Holy Spirit. We need to hear your voice, Holy Spirit. I love you, Holy Spirit. I can't do anything without you, Holy Spirit. We need you, Holy Spirit. Please come, Holy Spirit. Come upon your people in Jesus' name. So I want to speak about partnership with the Holy Spirit and coming into agreement with God's Word. Imagine finding yourself in the Bible. Imagine you open this and there you find yourself. Wow, that's me. That's what I'm doing. So what am I talking about? I'm talking about everything, every situation that you go through. There's an answer in the Word of God. Every situation, there is an answer in the Word of God. Now, when I was a young mother, came home uh, with a new baby in my arms. I'm standing in the kitchen. I've got this baby. I've got a toddler on this side. I've got a toddler on this side. And they're all screaming at the top of their voices. And I stood there in the kitchen. And I said, Lord Jesus... When did you go through anything like this? And you know, immediately, I, I was taken into the story of Mark 10. And, and Jesus came into the city late, it was evening, and he was tired, and his disciples were very tired. And the mothers heard that he was coming, and they took they got hold of their tired babies and said, come on, come on. It's bedtime, but we're going to go and see Jesus. And so I could see these tired babies. They're screaming. They're yelling. They don't know why mommy's not putting them to bed. They're going to see Jesus. They get to Jesus. The disciples are so annoyed. They say to the mommies, go away. He's tired. And we're tired. Everybody's tired. Go away. But Jesus looked at those mothers and said, bring your children to me. And the Bible says, he sat them on his knee and he blessed them. And the Holy Spirit just whispered in my ear, when your children overwhelm you, just bless them. Did you hear that, moms? Those of you with little babies that hold on to your skirt and scream, when your children overwhelm you, just bless them. That's what I mean by finding yourself in the Word of God. He has an answer for every situation that you are in. Now, you know, many babies have been named before they were born, like John the Baptist, Ishmael, Isaac, Solomon. They, they, were, they were named before they were born, but there are some children who were not only named, but what they were going to do was written in the word many years before they were born. Now, one of those is, is somebody, a king by the name of Josiah. He was prophesied onto this earth 322 years before he was born. And uh, it, Josiah, 1 Kings 13 verse 2, 
uh, it says there, this is a, a man of God. He's prophesying. We never told his name. And he cries out against the altar by the word of the Lord and said, O altar, altar, thus says the Lord, behold, a child, Josiah by name, shall be born to the house of David, and on you he shall sacrifice the priests on the high places who burn incense on you, and men's bones shall be burned on you. He's talking to the altar. And, and so 322 years before Josiah was born, in the book of Jeremiah, it was written, his name was written. Imagine that. And so Josiah comes along, and uh, he's, a, he's a young king who loved the Lord. And so he, he gives instruction to the priest to start getting the temple tidy and to start rebuilding the brokenness in the temple. And as they're doing that, they come to him and they say, we found the book. We found the book. He says, what book is that? They said, it's the book of the law, the book of Moses. And it tells us how to behave. And so they began to read the book. And so Josiah began to follow the book. And so he got rid of the, the altars of Baal and the priests of Baal and all the, all the false gods that they were worshiping. He threw them all out. He even went up onto the mountains and he started destroying all the altars on the mountains. And then he was up on the mountain. We can read about it in 2 Kings 23, 17. And he said, what grave stone is this that I see? And so the men of the city told him, it's the tomb of the man who came from Judah and proclaimed these things which you are doing against the altar of Bethel. And so Josiah says, don't touch that tomb. This is the man that prophesied that I would be on the earth and I'm doing exactly what I'm supposed to be doing. You see, God has plans for you. Long before you were even born, he's got plans for you. If you'll just follow his plans, you'll be successful on the earth. That's why the scripture says, meditate on the word day and night, and you will make yourself successful because you will find yourself in the word of God. Have you found the book? All you need to do is find the book. Find the book and find yourself in the book. Well, there was another man by the name of Cyrus. We heard a lot about him lately because of President Trump, who they say is, is a second Cyrus. But Cyrus, he, his name was mentioned in the book of Isaiah 175 years before he was born. And it says of Cyrus in Isaiah 44, 28, when I say of Cyrus, he is my shepherd, he will certainly do as I say. He will command, rebuild Jerusalem. He will say, restore the temple. And it goes on in Isaiah 45, verse 2, and I will go before you and I will make the crooked places straight. I will break in pieces the gates of bronze and I will cut the bars of iron. Imagine this church, 175 years before Cyrus was born, God knew there would be bars of iron and gates of bronze in the city. God knows all the finest details of your life and of my life. There's just one thing. You need to find the book. And you need to find yourself in the book. Amen. So about 200 years before ever Cyrus was born, 
God says, I've got plans for you, Cyrus. And you, you're going you're to redeem Jerusalem for me. And then there's Daniel. Now, Daniel wasn't actually mentioned by name. So this helps us because you're saying, you know, my name, it's not in here. But he wasn't actually mentioned by name, but he found himself in the book. So Daniel was taken from Jerusalem as a captive. He was taken to Babylon. He was a teenager. They say he could have been 14 years old. He was uh, brought up in the ways of the Lord. But, you know, when they, when they took these young men, they took the princes, they took the sons of the nobles, they, they took the most handsome, the most intelligent, uh, because they wanted to train them in the ways of Babylon so that they could serve the king. And then maybe one day they would be sent back to, to Jerusalem and hopefully be brainwashed enough to make a Babylon in Jerusalem. But of course it didn't work because that wasn't God's plan. But uh, da Daniel, he's there, he says, I'm not going to eat the king's food that you're putting out. I'm not going to drink this wine. He's just a teenager. But he and his friends said no. I don't know why they said no. Possibly they had realized that this, this meat had been offered to idols or it wasn't prepared as it should be under the law. But they said no. And they stood their ground for what they knew was in the book. That's how we have to be, folks. And, and so in Daniel 1.17, it says, as for these four young men, God gave them knowledge and skill in all literature and wisdom, and Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. In this book, there is life. In this book, there is life. And that life and that light dwells in me and develops me in all skill of learning and wisdom and understanding. And we too can be 10 times better than we are right now. Amen. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. And so, Daniel, they, they suffered for what they believed. Daniel got thrown into the lion's den, but he caused a revival. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they, they got thrown into the furnace, but they caused a revival. And I'll, I'll prove it to you. In Daniel 6.26, the king, after he came out of the lion's den, the king says, I make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom, men must tremble and fear before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God. God and steadfast forever. His kingdom is the one which shall not be destroyed, and his dominion shall endure to the end. Is anybody willing to go into the lion's den for a revival in England? Oh, are we willing to do that? Hallelujah. We 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 want to say we want to say this, Lord. Let it be possible that such a revival will come to this nation, that one day our prime minister will stand up and say, I make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom, men must tremble and fear before the God of Israel. I'm lifting your faith today, church, to believe that from, from the government down, revival will come. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. In Daniel 3.29, the king says this, 
Therefore, I make a decree that any people, nation, or language which speaks anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they shall be cut in pieces, and their houses shall be made an ash heap, because there is no other God who can deliver like this. And then, the, and then it says, the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. Hallelujah. This is revival. This is revival when we are prepared, church, to take the book and stand according to the laws of this book. This is revival. May we be bold enough to do it in Jesus' name. May we be steadfast, immovable, ever abounding in the work of the Lord. That's what the scripture says. Steadfast. Immovable. You know, the enemy comes and he'll try and move you, but he is weak. I want to tell you, the thought that the enemy is powerful is a lie. And the only power he has over your life is the power of a lie and the power of fear. We have to be steadfast. Immovable. I have decided to follow Jesus, and I am steadfast. I am immovable. I am ever abounding in the work of the Lord. This is my testimony. Hallelujah. And it goes on to say in 1 Corinthians 15, knowing and being continuously aware that your labor in the Lord is not futile. It is never wasted or for no purpose. When you go out on the streets every Saturday, I want you to know it is never wasted or for no purpose. Every time you go out on the streets, you are making portals in the heavens for revival to come. Every time you witness in a shop, you are making the way for revival to come. It is never wasted. You might think, well, they just turned away and they didn't listen to me and say, I don't do God. But you have not wasted. You have planted a seed that will one day, the harvester will come and be able to reap that seed. So here's Daniel. And then he's, he's now an old man. He's been 70 years in Babylon. And he finds something in the book of Jeremiah about himself. Daniel 9.2, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by the books the number of the years specified by the word of the Lord through Jeremiah the prophet, that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolation of Jerusalem. So Daniel is reading the word, and he sees Jeremiah, and Jeremiah says, they're going to be taken captive, and there'll be 70 years in Babylon. And so Daniel says, the 70 years is up. And I'm going to believe God to take me out of Babylon. And that's what we have to do, church. When we see something in the word, like nothing is impossible with God, we've got to say, God, this is your word and nothing is impossible. You can even bring someone to play this keyboard. When I read and it says, speak to the mountain and it must move, it must move in Jesus' name. 
Hallelujah. And then he says in Jeremiah 29, 10, For thus says the Lord, after 70 years are completed at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word toward you and cause you to return to this place. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me, and I will listen to you. And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. I will be found by you, says the Lord, and I will bring you back from your captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and from all the places where I have driven you, says the Lord, and I will bring you to the place from which I caused you to be carried away captive. Oh, Daniel says, we're going home. And so he got to prayer, Daniel 9 verse 20. And I went on praying and confessing my sin and the sin of my people, pleading with the Lord my God for Jerusalem, his holy mountain. And as I was praying, the angel Gabriel, Gabriel, whom I had seen in the earlier vision, came swiftly to me at the time of the evening sacrifice. He exclaimed to me, Daniel, I have come here to give you insight and understanding. The moment you began praying, a command was given. Church, the moment you begin praying, a command is given. So we wait two days and we say, well, that didn't work. I'm going to make my own plan. The moment you begin praying, your faith must be steadfast, secure, immovable. God, your word says, and I believe it. And so uh, in Daniel 10, we have this. Um, he's praying again, and the angel Gabriel comes. He's so busy with prayer. When you pray, Gabriel's busy. Do not fear, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I have come because of your words. Your words are creative. You are what you are today because of words that you spoke over yourself and that others spoke over you. And in the name of Jesus right now, I break those words that have been spoken over you. I break the negative words that you've spoken over yourself. I break words of unbelief in Jesus' name. I break fear over you in the name of Jesus. Because of your words, Daniel, I have come. Hallelujah. Because of your words, he will come. Because of your words. Are they not ministering spirits sent to minister to the people of God? Yes, in Jesus' name. You know, there's another story in the New Testament of Zechariah where the angel came to Zechariah and he said, Zechariah, you and Elizabeth, you're old, but you're going to have a child. You're going to call his name Dave, uh, John. He became John the Baptist. But Zechariah couldn't believe it. He said, how can this be? So the angel made him, his, his mouth closed, he made him dumb. And behold, you will be and will continue to be silent and not able to speak till the day 
when these things take place, because you have not believed that I told you. But my words are of a kind which will be fulfilled in the appointed and proper time. God's words, church, God's words are of a kind that bring fulfillment. Whatever it is that you're needing, find yourself in the word. These words are of a kind that will bring fulfillment. And when they are in your mouth, your words are of a kind kind that will bring fulfillment in Jesus name. Hallelujah. Jesus found himself in the book, didn't he? He stood up in the temple and he read Luke 4:17, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Then he closed the book. He gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. He found himself in the book. Hallelujah. Imagine if you could find yourself in the book. Imagine if you could go to the Holy Scriptures and, and say, it is written, this is for me. Now, there's a scripture which tells you who you are, and I want to tell you, the enemy hates the scripture. He really does. It's often said, but we don't really take it because the devil hates this scripture. It's 2 Corinthians 5.17, and it says, therefore... If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. You are a new creation. All things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. The devil hates this scripture. Uh, a woman got born again in South Africa, and, uh, and I went to see her, and, uh, and I, I wanted to explain to her what, what happened when she got born again. And I went to 2 Corinthians 5.17, and I gave her my Bible, and I said, I want you to read this out loud. And she said, if any man is in devils, he's a new creature. Oh, oh hello. The devil is lying to her here. And I just simply said, who are you? A voice came out of her saying, I am fear and terror. And I just said, get out in Jesus' name. And she was free. No fuss, no bother, no shouting, no screaming. I tell you what, the devil is weak. God has given us all power and all authority over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means harm you. It's a lie. That he keeps you in bondage. It's a lie that he keeps you in fear. Those are the two things that he has that will keep you in bondage. Now, we have to agree with God's word. There's, there's a man by the name of Dr. Yonggi Chow, maybe uh, you know the name, uh, um, and he, he, he has and, and, and had the, the largest church in the whole world. Imagine. Well, if he's got the largest church, we should maybe just hear what he has to say. So he died recently, and so you may have also seen that they're putting little snippets of what he has said in his lifetime. Well, one of the things that I saw that he said 
He was trying to teach the people the, the difference between the logos, which we always say is the written word of God, and the rhema, which is the spoken word of God. So he said this, because remember, he comes from Korea, where, where rice is probably the staple diet. So he says to them, the logos is like rice, but the rhema is like cooked rice. So I just want to explain what you, you're probably thinking, what's she talking about, rice and cooked rice? <laughs> so I, I have uh, my eldest son, he's going to be coming soon at the end of the month. And when he was a, a, a little chappy, about maybe three years old, um, he got stung by a bee. Now, you must understand, I was born in Congo where there were no doctors and there were no hospitals. So if, if we got sick, it didn't matter if it was malaria, black water fever, sunstroke, bitten by a scorpion. My mom would just put us into bed and she'd say, I'm going to call the doctor. Now, my dad was not a doctor. He was actually a builder by trade. But she would call my dad and together they would pray for us. We would fall asleep and wake up well. That's how I was brought up. So, of course, when my children were born, when they were sick, I called my dad. He lived across the road. Oh, Peter's not well today. Could you come and pray for him? And so they, my dad would come across the road and would, and would pray. Well, Peter got stung by a bee. And uh, I had a friend in the house, and she came to me, and she says, you know, Lily, he doesn't look good. He seems to be going blue. She says, I think he's allergic to a bee sting. I'm like, what's that? And, and so I couldn't call my dad because my dad was away ministering in New Zealand. Uh, Abe was away at, at, at work. And this lady says, look, we must get him into the car and take him down to the doctor. Well, it was just down the road from me. So we went into the doctor and the doctor spoke words to me that put fear in my heart. He said, if this little boy is not on a drip within 20 minutes of being stung by a bee, he will die. You know what that does to a young mother? It puts fear in your heart. And so every time Peter got stung, and it's amazing the others never, they didn't get stung, but always the one that was allergic would get stung. And I'd be flying off to a doctor or to the nearest hospital or wherever we were, and, and Peter would be on a drip and... And so it went. Well, when he was about eight years old, Abe and I went to Bible school. And one evening, Abe was attending a lecture. I was at home with the boys, and Peter stood on a bee. And he came to me and said, Mom, I've just been stung by a bee. Well, there were no phone, uh, cell phones in those days. I thought I was on the phone. I, I couldn't get hold of my mom and dad. I couldn't get hold of a doctor. Uh, I was trying to phone the Bible school. Eventually, I got hold of the Bible school. They put Abe on the phone, and he said, look, don't worry. There's 2,000 students here, and we're all going to pray for Peter. Hallelujah. So I thought he'd leave them praying and come home. But you see, his, his faith was greater than mine. Anyway, he, he didn't turn up. But I had Peter in the bed. Now he's going blue. He can hardly breathe. I've got the healing scriptures, and I'm just reading the word of God. Always find yourself in the word of God. 
And so I come to that scripture that says that, um, Behold, I give you power over all the power of the enemy to tread on serpents and scorpions. And nothing shall by any means harm you. And Peter says, Mommy, could that be serpents and scorpions and bees? And he said, I said, yes. He says, read it again. I read it. Serpents and scorpions and bees. I read it again. Serpents and scorpions and bees. I give you power over all the power of the enemy. He suddenly began to laugh. I said, why are you laughing? He says, it's gone from the inside. Hallelujah. And, and as we just continued worshiping and, 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 and reading the word, he, he, the blueness left. He came back to normality. And you know, God healed him of that. But about a year later, I think it was, we were all packed up to go on holiday. And, and we looked around and we said, where's Peter? So I went to the house to find him. I found him under the shower. And I could hear him saying, by his stripes I am healed. By his stripes I am healed. By his stripes I'm under. Peter, what are you doing? He said, no, it's okay, mom. I got stung by a bee. I felt a little bit itchy. So I came to have a shower because we've got a long trip ahead. But I'm fine. He had learned to turn rice into cooked rice. He had learned to take the, the, the logos, the written word, and make it rhema to him. You see, it, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith comes by the word of God that you hear. Let's put it that way. We need to hear what God is saying so that, so that it gets in our heart. You know, you know, the Lord never, he, he, he said love is important, wisdom is important, but you know, he said what really pleases me is faith. Faith is what pleases him. When we take the word, and you know, that day, it was in the face of death that we were saying, serpents, scorpions, and bees. We were eating the rice. There was faith in our hearts. Hallelujah. It's time to destroy the lies of the devil. It's time to destroy what is contrary to this word. Anything that is contrary to this word, then we need to throw it out and never let it come across your lips in Jesus' name. So, I want to tell you what the truth is right now. Galatians 4 verse 7, therefore, you are no longer a slave. You're not a slave to sin. You're not a slave to sickness. You're not a slave to drugs. You're not a slave to drink. You are not a slave to any other stronghold. This is what the book says. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, church. The book says it. You are no longer a slave. Why do you behave like a slave? Why do you say this is this, this, this thing? It's got me down. I can't overcome. Let's see what the book says. Therefore, 
you are no longer a slave, but a son. A daughter. It, 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 it means you, you, you're a child of God. You're a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ Jesus. I'm not talking about air that we breathe. I'm talking about H-E-I-R. You know what an heir means? One who receives his allotted possession by right of sonship. You are sons and daughters of the Most High God. Stop behaving like a slave to the enemy. You are no longer a slave. It is written. The Word of God says it. You are a son, you are a daughter, and you have an inheritance. You are an heir according to the promise. There is more than enough for you. My God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory. That might be rice to you when you start, but when you say, God, this is what you said, there's more than enough. God, you said you will supply according to your riches in glory. He can make money appear on the street before you. He can put it in your pocket. He can grow your bank account. He can do as long as you're saying, I'm a son, I'm a daughter of the Most High God, and you're behaving right. Hallelujah. You're no longer a slave. No longer a slave. I want everybody to say, I am no longer a slave. I am a child of God. And I am an heir of God through Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. You have an inheritance. Claim it. Claim it. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I want every head bowed. Would you please stand? Would you please stand, every head bowed. If you're here today and, and you're saying, I'm not sure that I'm a child of God. I, I'm not sure that I've come out of being a slave and I, I'm now a child of God. If that's you, I want you just to raise your hand. Anybody in the room today? Bless you. Anybody in the room today, you're not sure that you're a child of God. My second call is this. Maybe you're saying, I know I'm a child of God, but I haven't walked yet into this kind of sonship. And today, I want to take my place as a child of God, as an heir of God. I'm going to give a call today. As we, as we start singing this song, I'm no longer a slave. I want to put the fire of God in everyone here who says, I'm struggling. I'm, I'm behaving like a slave. I don't want to be a slave anymore. I'm going to take my place as a son. And, and if, if you're saying, I, I, I don't know if I'm really born again, I want you to come forward as we sing. And we're going to pray for you in Jesus' name. Thank you, Claire. We are no longer slaves we are sons and daughters of the most high god hallelujah